Hello, friends and colleagues. It's Nikki from Full Voice Music. Today's podcast, episode 113, I'm talking about managing expectations. This is an underutilized skill. It falls under the umbrella of communication. Now, managing expectations helps us avoid conflict, angry conversations, awkward emails. It helps us to develop a better relationship with our families and our students. Lots of teacher takeaways, the My Music Staff Minute, and the warm-up of the week, right here on the Full Voice Podcast. Hello, friends and colleagues. Thank you so much for joining me on the Full Voice Podcast. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate that you have taken time out of your busy day and made our podcast part of your day. Now, before I get started, I want to remind everybody that registration for the 2020 Knoxville Convention for the National Association of Teachers of Singing is now open and you can take advantage of their early bird rates and those are good until April 1st. So I hope to see you in Tennessee in June. Now, on to our topic today. I have a very interesting topic. Uh, so I want to give you a little background to um, to how I kind of uh, decided on this topic. And, and I have to say the, the rabbit hole of research was very enlightening. So um, I had the wonderful opportunity to sit down and reconnect with a local colleague. And you know, it's funny, I spend more time with my uh, friends and teachers online than I do sometimes the people in my neighborhood. <laughs> uh, but um, I had this wonderful conversation with a, a good colleague, good friend. And uh, we were talking about, you know, how long we've been teaching and she's in the process of downsizing and she's not, she's not retiring completely, but she is not teaching as much as she used to when she was younger. And we were talking about some of the challenges that uh, we had when we first started teaching teaching and, you know, how it's so different in her teaching studio. And I was sharing the same, the same comment. And one of the conversations came up with, you know, that we do have really great relationships with families. And um, my friend mentioned, uh, you know, a lot of it had to do with that she had become an expert (laughs) at managing expectations. And I thought, wow, I, I had never thought about that. And she, she was, she's quite comfortable and confident to explain to families what they should expect and what she's providing and what her expectations were. And I thought this is, this is very interesting because I, I feel the same way. I feel that I have great relationships with the people that I do business with and um, I don't have a problem talking to them. And there's a lot of times in the year where I do take some time to explain things. Now, I hope that I'm not an over-explainer. I do have a tendency to do that. It's the teacher in me. Uh, Anyhow, so I I did a little bit of research. And um, interesting, interestingly, um, if you... If you go to the Google machine and you type in managing expectations, uh, Google will populate um, very specific resources. A lot of them came from the business leadership 
and entrepreneurial websites. So Inc.com and entrepreneurmagazine.com and leadership blah, 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 dot com. Now, I have cultivated uh, a few links in the show notes. If you would like to check out these articles, and some of them are very helpful. Um, so in the business world, and I, I like to think that in nowadays, uh, teachers, we are invested just as much in our pedagogy as we are in our business skills, as we are running businesses. And I know our good friend, Michelle Marquardt DeVoe, is always talking about those skills. And Michelle's going to be uh, a guest again soon on our podcast. Um, so a lot of the leadership business websites have articles about managing expectations. And essentially, great leaders work very hard to develop these skills. Now, in the business sense, it usually refers to getting your team, you and your team, to a finish line accomplishing a goal. And again, really interesting. And I'm going to go over some of the highlights of some of those articles. The other websites that were populated from my initial search were from uh, classroom teacher resources with the themes of managing parents and students' expectations in the classroom. And I found a very interesting article about managing our expectations with some important things that I had not really thought about, but it was a great check-in and reminder. So I'm happy to share those with you today. And if you hear paper rattling, it's because I have so many notes that, um, and, and I've, I think I've pieced it all together, but I'll try to, I'll try to keep it quiet. Um, so let's just start with, um, talking about, Communication. So if you're managing expectations, essentially, you're doing the communication before things start happening. In my early days of teaching, I did a lot of damage control. I found myself always having conversations after a conflict arose, and I'm not saying that that's not going to happen in your teaching studio, but, you know, after recitals, after competitions, after exams, I found myself always dealing with uh, unhappy students and parents. And I, I recognize now that I did not set them up. Um, I prepared them well. I will stick to that. But I didn't set them up for the expectations. So there was a breakdown of communication. So I want to talk about just communication in general first, because I think this is a good check-in. And communicating um, is a skill that we can always, always improve upon. And I'm going to attribute that statement to Marie Forleo. If you're a woman in business, well, if you're anyone in business, uh, I find Marie Forleo's resources to be extremely empowering, insightful, inspiring. And she does talk about communication skills a lot. So we have so many ways to communicate with people. We do tend to favor the nonverbal forms, which is where a lot of our conflict comes from. 
Um, but let's just let's just do a little check in. So, um, and this is something full disclosure. I need to check in myself in my own business um, and with my own full voice team. Uh, I want to shout out to my team. So one of the challenges we have here at Full Voice is that my team is, with the exception of my husband, is remote. Nobody pops into the office unless they make a long drive or a very, very long flight. So with dealing with everyone uh, over the internet, and we've tried different platforms, we've tried, we're working with Dropbox Paper right now, so I'm not sure about that. But Donna's in Nova Scotia, Mim's in Toronto, Karen's in Nevada, and my my assistant is a town over. So Dealing with my team and communicating virtually is a challenge. So we're, we're trying to always improve our communication, how we share resources, how we share documents, how we communicate changes, even the conflict or the challenge of when we are working on a project, um, just simple things like, is this the first draft or is this the second draft? So, Communication is something that we always need to be working on, whether you're working with a team, but especially in our teaching studios. So here's a couple of check-ins that you might want to put on your to-do list for a day. Maybe maybe you have a snow day. Snow days are wonderful days to kind of spend some time in the administrative area of your business. Um, so here's some, some check-ins for communication. First of all, have you checked in? Have you uh, reevaluated the copywriting on your website? Oh, how many of you are like sighing and and feeling not good right now? <laughs> I am. Um, the copywriting on our website, that needs to be updated. Is your biography like five years old? Because that's too old. You need to update your awesome stuff. And I know they're not fun to do. Uh, how about the wording in your policies? Are your policies communicating things well? And I want everybody to check in. I hope your policies are not just a big, nasty, snarky list of things that you don't want to deal with. Policies and crafting policies and the language in your policies can make or break somebody wanting to be in your studio. Now, sometimes you do want to deter people that are not your ideal person, but you also want to make sure that you are welcoming the students that you do want. So how's the wording on your policies? Um, how, how well are you following up with families? Uh, this is something in my teaching studio I, I'm struggling with. Uh, you know, I'm I'm send, you know I'm trying to keep better notes, but my teenagers don't read emails. My teenagers don't read anything, so I I'm not sure. I'm trying to I'm trying to problem solve this, um, and of course when you when you're dealing with a lot of teens. You still have to keep parents in the loop. Even though I don't see their, their parents as much, um, I still need them to know what we're working on because I know my teenagers are not giving them the full story. So how do you communicate that way? Um, with my younger students, it's much easier because I have a seating area in my studio and parents are very much a part of the lesson. They don't have to be there every week. I do have a lounge if they, if they need to make a phone call or if they'd rather. Sometimes my parents come in and they'll say, 
can I just have some quiet time? I just need a break. And I'm like, absolutely. And I'm happy that they can tell me that. And they're more than one. I actually have a dad. He works shift work. I know that in, in his son's lesson, he will he will catch a nap in the lounge. And I, I good on you, sir. You have that nap. Sleep is important. Um, and But he will come in from time to time and watch his son's lesson. Anyhow, so how are you communicating with families and is it working? The other challenge that I have is uh, emails. Sometimes emails go into spam boxes. Sometimes my parents aren't always getting the emails. So I have to address that as well. Um, and then, it, of course, you know, how we craft our emails. At the end of the day, when I'm responding to emails, I have to be careful. I'm tired. I, I'm I'm very tired, and I'm not always uh, I'm not always careful sometimes with crafting well worded emails. So sometimes I have to recognize at the end of the day, if I'm really tired, I might respond in the morning when I have a clear head. And that's a great practice. You do not have to respond right away unless it's urgent uh, and take some time to think things through. One of the things I've started doing, which by the way, has saved me so much time. If I'm sitting down in front of my computer and I have to think through an essay to, to tell my parents something, I've decided just to pick up the phone and talk to them. It saves me so much time. We resolve our issue or the question or whatever we're talking about in one phone call rather than 47 emails back and forth. Uh, So if it's something complex, if it's something that is personal, if it is something that is of high concern, don't email. Call them. Talk to them. As a parent... I appreciate face-to-face communication about my son. If I were if I'm at batter zone and I see his coach and I wave to his coach, and if I were to get an email from his coach a day later saying that he had concerns, I think I'd be a little worried about my relationship with his coach. Now, I know many of us prefer the nonverbal communication, but I want you to check in because this falls under managing expectations. Sometimes it's best face to face. We can always be better with communicating. Now, the one thing I would like to add about our policies, our policies, just if you, if you do have beautifully written, clear, concise policies, Don't think that handing that piece of paper or posting that on your website is a blanket to ensure that everybody is on the same page. I guarantee you, your parents, if they read it, do not remember or may not have comprehended what the policy said. So, especially those of us who have changed our policies, if you have moved from a pay-as-you-go kind of tuition structure to a more formal tuition structure. Parents that have been with you are going to need more communication. They're going to know what to expect. I still have to walk people through signing into the My Music Staff platform and booking and canceling and booking their lessons. I don't get upset about it. It's frustrating. It is, but parents are busy 
And I appreciate that, you know, navigating a new platform isn't the top of people's list every day or every other day or ever. So communication skills, we can always be better. This is a great time if you've got a snow day, if you have a cancellation, what a great time to check things out and tweak your communication skills. Now, moving on to our managing expectations. So the first thing I want to do is just in in general terms, if we're talking about business skills, the top three things that came up over and over and over again, and all the little articles that I came across, um, I've narrowed it down to three big takeaways. Um, So uh, follow these three practical tips to improve your own ability to manage expectations. That's from Inc.com. Um, so first of all, and this is a good one, make no assumptions. We often are hoping, fingers crossed, that people get it. They've read our policies and now everything's going to move smoothly. Um, we assume that parents understand why we're worried about age-appropriate repertoire. Um, Don't assume. Do not make assumptions. Do not make assumptions. (laughs) And so when you fall into, when you fall into that trap of assuming, um, you are really setting not only them up to be frustrated, but yourself. You you are going to be frustrated. Um, and then you're going to have the damage control. And miscommunication, that's one of the primary reasons why parents don't understand what we're up to or what we're doing or why we have policies or any of that, because we just have made that general assumption that they get it. Now, there's also other things. We have to remember that we are the expert in the room and we cannot assume that parents understand changing voice, why their students might be struggling at home and practicing. We cannot assume that parents understand how to set up practicing. This is where we have to check in. And this leads me to the second point, which is communicate, communicate, communicate. It takes up your time, but it is so important. And communicating and checking in regularly. So especially one of the examples that I would use would be when you have a new student. Making sure a new student and family is getting started in your teaching studio and is getting healthy singing, practicing routines started is something that you're going to have to check in on a regular basis. I like to have parents in the room for at least a month so I get to know them and they get to know me and so I can ask them how practicing is going. Uh, I can give them strategies because I'm not going to assume that they understand what their responsibilities are. So communicate, communicate, communicate. Make yourself available throughout the year and easy to get in touch with if you want to avoid those conflicts and the dreaded damage control at the end of the year. Nothing is worse than getting to the end of a term and then somebody lays down all the things they're disappointed 
that didn't happen. There, that's I've had that happen in my early years of teaching, and it was always a miserable experience because you know that you put the effort and the time in, and yet here you are having an awkward conversation. The other thing that they talk about in business terms is pushback is okay. So managing expectations has a lot to do with being assertive. And being assertive, and we have a really good blog article on our website about assertiveness. Assertiveness isn't being rude or aggressive. Assertiveness is clearly, calmly, and confidently expressing your point or stating your policy or saying, no, I cannot do that. I know many of us struggle with that. I know the other day, uh, a good friend called me and her daughter wants lessons. And if I take yet another student, I will probably die of exhaustion. And yet there I was, not really wanting to say no. And it was, it, I get it, we all do it. But pushing back or clearly setting boundaries has a lot to do with managing expectations. If you give in, if you set an expectation and then immediately you give in or you change or you change your policy to accommodate that one person, you will set yourself up for that expectation. So a perfect example of this is somebody cancels, they want a makeup lesson, you don't offer makeup lessons. It's in your policy that you don't make a, offer makeup lessons. And then you give a makeup lesson. Now the expectation will be that if I ask for a makeup lesson, I shall get one. So if you feel that you need to give that student a makeup lesson, if it's a valid reason, you need to communicate that this is not normal and I am extending a courtesy and you know, don't think that this is going to happen every time. That has to be how you communicate so that the expectations in the future are clear. So business side of things, you do not assume. You communicate your face off. I'm going to steal that from Shannon Coates. She always says, teach your face off and sing your face off. So you're going to communicate your face off. And be able to assertively state your case and set your boundaries. They can ask questions. It doesn't mean that they're going to get what they want. So there's the top three for a business business thing. Now, um, when we move into the teaching resources, and again, a lot of these websites, actually all of these websites that I visited, they were from... Um, uh, classroom teacher resources. And we can learn so much from our classroom teachers. And uh, I want to shout out to all of the elementary school teachers here in Ontario. They are on a work to rule um, rotating strikes. And I support you. And I think what you do in the classroom is amazing. Our government is not being fair. Um, and I'm, uh, I, I stand with the teachers. They have a hard, they have a, they have a lot of challenges in the classroom. And as a private teacher, so many things I don't have to deal with. And I am, I'm very, very aware of that. So um, shout out to 
all our teachers here in Ontario uh, and everywhere. So classroom teachers, the resources and the blogs. And again, check the show notes. I've put links to some very interesting articles, which I think uh, have much more than I'm going to talk about today. But um, uh, I want to just share uh, some of those tips in those blogs. And now for the My Music Staff Minute. Hey, Full Voice listeners, Erin here to talk to you about finding your niche and the power of knowing your brand. Your niche is defined by the people that your music lessons appeal to the most. To help you identify your strengths, ask yourself these questions. Which topics do people come to you for help with? What are you most passionate about? A great resource to find out more about your specific strengths are current and former students. They can help you identify the pain points that you solved and the ways your expertise can support their struggle. It will also help you build a sustainable business if you ask a few more questions. Is there a market for what you have to offer? Can you compete and win in this market? Who are your competitors and what makes you different from them? Don't get overwhelmed though. You don't need to have your niche fully outlined before you start teaching or before you start revamping your business model. Running a business is a cyclical process and it's always under construction. You don't need to wait for perfection. Identifying your own strengths, having a clear idea of your target customer, and designing your business around these principles greatly increases your chance of success. Start your 30-day free trial of My Music Staff today at mymusicstaff.com. And stay tuned for next week's tips and tricks on the My Music Staff Minute, exclusively on the Full Voice Podcast. So one of the things that um, we have to remember when we are managing expectations is that the attitude of it's my way or the highway (laughs) from the teacher is not going to that is not going to serve anyone. It's not going to serve you, and it's not going to serve the families. Um, yes, you set up your policies and your boundaries, but we also have to be mindful and empathetic to busy families. Now we can throw judgment on it, you know, oh, that family's overcommitted, or we can recognize that most families have incredible time demands. We're dealing with families where usually both parents are working. You could be dealing with uh, separated families. You could be dealing with single moms and single dads. So we have to recognize that, um, some of our students are in extended care at school. I have a couple of students, they're at school until 5.30 and at night. They are in the after school program because mom and dads can't pick them up before that time. So when we understand the time constraints on our families, we can actually work together to manage expectations and also to offer strategies as well as appreciate that maybe practicing isn't the top priority and there's going to be weeks where progress or months or maybe the entire year is slower progress that we would really like to see but that doesn't mean that they're not a valuable student and we can help them in other ways we can do more practicing in the lesson and you know we can then if we're 
planning exams, we can time that out properly. So one of the blogs that I read was reminding classroom teachers that um, lengthy, detailed, and out-of-school projects and assignments are far more challenging for kids now because mom and dad are struggling just to get hot meals on the table, let alone sitting down and, and being able to support uh, students. So just something to consider when we are setting our expectations. We have to be on the same page. We have to understand what our families are dealing with. Um, I know for those of you who have separated families, that can be incredibly challenging. Sometimes, and I've had this in my teaching studio, where practicing is only done by one parent because the other parent isn't on board. That's challenging and awkward, but sometimes that's the reality. You know, sometimes we have more communication with one and we don't see the other parent. That's that's challenging as well. Now, the other thing that um, that we uh, talk about or the the um, the blogs talk about, which I try to do in my teaching studio, I think I'm much better at it now, is um Managing expectations before performances, or in my case right now, I have a, I have so many kids that have been auditioning for musicals. I, the January is always audition season. Well, actually, December was audition season, and now they're getting cast. But I always try to let my students know that <laughs> casting for musicals is never fair. I have really talented singers and they've all gotten strange parts. Some of my girls are playing the roles of boys in their school musical. And it's only because they have no boys in the school that can sing. And that's what happens. So, of course, I have some unhappy campers and I have frustrated parents because they they set up extra lessons to prepare for the auditions and now they're not happy with those results. The same thing can happen when we have examinations, the same things that can happen when we have um, uh, examinations, recitals. Uh, so uh, I've had students that have worked so hard but have just had a bad day. Setting those expectations and communicating to families that performance, there's no guarantees in performance. And um, although hard work does always pay off, uh, it, it goes in, the, it, it's, it's like, I always tell them it's like a inclining roller coaster. You're going to have a really great moment and it's going to dip down and it's going to have a really great moment. And it's going to dip down. And I think that's important to understand. The other thing that I always manage expectations to, and again, I don't expect parents to understand this. And I remember my dad wondering what was going on. So voice change. Oh, voice change, you know, whether it's for bo girls or boys, uh, a lot of parents start to wonder why the their voices don't sound as good. And of course, parents will say things, she doesn't sound very good. Her voice keeps cracking. There's a little damage control there. But again, managing expectations and letting people know I always tell my families, hey, you know, in the next year or so, your voice is growing and you're going to have good and bad days and your voice is going to crack and it's going to break and there's nothing, you're not doing anything wrong. And it, that conversation happens with parents in the room because 
A, I don't want them saying things like, it sounds horrible. And I want them to be encouraging as the singers go through voice change so that they have that support at home. But it's not going to happen unless I communicate and explain to them what is happening with the growing voice. I have many conversations about that. I also celebrate, you know, uh, how the voice is changing and, and how it's going to warm up and, and it's going to get bigger and better and more delicious, whatever adjectives I use on that day. Now, the other challenge in managing expectations is com- competitions. Ugh. So I actually pulled my kids out of competitions about 12 years ago. The festival, local festival was run beautifully Shout out to all my colleagues who put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into music festivals. I think that they can be an amazing opportunity, but I had so much damage control after festivals. It was exhausting. And and on some occasions, I would lose students uh, just because they weren't happy with the adjudicator's results. And of course, you know, parents sometimes don't understand, you know, that their child is not the best singer in the world. So, (laughs) but competitions can be very problematic. First of all, adjudicators' remarks are subjective. And I want to shout out to the voice teachers for young singers. There's actually a really good thread going right now about some of the strange comments that adjudicators put on Um, their comment sheets. And I would like to add that um, uh, I think that uh, I think it is absolutely 100% acceptable for teachers to report to festivals or to um, make aware to festival coordinators and to the adjudicator. You might not be able to do it face to face. When you feel that comments are inappropriate if comments are not supportive or if comments, um, and I'm not talking about, um, you know, marks and stuff like that. But um, I think, I think, unfortunately, and this is the reason why I took my students out of festivals, is that too many adjudicators are highly accredited and very established vocal pedagogues, but they do not work with children. And so they don't have the right information about children's voices and often their comments reflect that. That's about as nice as I can be about it. That is the reason that I pulled my students out of competitions. Now, I know our industry is changing. I know there's a lot more teachers who have a lot more information about working with children and about growing voices and changing voices. Um, So I may consider putting my students back in in the future, but that is my biggest concern. When you have people who are not experienced working with children, having things to say about children's voices. So competitions, but I always try to talk to my families before the competition happens and say, this is subjective. And your thing that I'm going to ask you after the competition, and I always preface this before, I'm going to ask you, what did you learn from being in that competition? What did you see? What performances did you like? What did you take away from that that you could apply to your own singing? So I set the seed and the goal of learning experience rather than win or lose 
experience. And I think that's such a great conversation to have with your families. And it makes them think a little broader rather than, oh, I got second place and my life is over. I've had those conversations too. Um, And then, of course, the other communication and managing expectations has to do with progress in lessons. Parents do not understand and may not have the ability to recognize the small accomplishments. They don't see the small improvements and I don't expect them to. They, They are not the expert. So I need to communicate regularly about she's getting more confident. She's really making some great um, progress. This is what I'm hearing. We want to keep encouraging this. Um, This is so important. I always let families know that singing is a lifetime journey. The voice is forever changing. And we have years and years and years ahead of us where the voice is going to continue to grow and become just fantastic. I always mention this at my recitals. I always remind families that I have students that are performing for the first time. And, uh, and then I'll remind them like the students, my students that you've seen, um, time and time again. So a lot, my family stay with me forever. So my families always remark on how much progress because they can compare in a positive way, um, the performances as the students grow. And it's quite something. It's really quite something to see your young performers and then a teenager that's been in your studio for many years. That is so inspiring. It's inspiring to your young students. It's inspiring to the parents of the young students because they can see where the commitment to lessons can really grow into something beautiful. But it's not an overnight thing. That is one of the challenges in today's society. We have children and families and ourselves. We are hyper-connected. We get information, feedback, everything within milliseconds. So it's difficult. We, we see our students wanting to rush. We see our students wanting that instant gratification. That too is wrapped up in our managing expectations, letting people know that this is a long time journey. It is slow and steady wins the race. So something to check into and and just to remind ourselves and our families and our students. The other little thing that I loved in the um, teacher's resource, um, and I want to read this because I think it's really well written. Uh, So before before I had, a, I had taught for t- almost 20 years before I had my own child. And I can totally relate to this statement. Um, so this is what uh, the, the blog has said. Um, practicing empathy. It's all about empathy. Before I had children, I had all the answers for my students' parents. Mm, I did that. After I had children, I realized that I had my experience and I had a lot of trial and error, but no clear answers. That's why it's so important to be empathetic about the challenges your students, parents face, and to think of your work with them 
as a mutual partnership. I totally relate to that paragraph. I had a lot of judgment about parents. And I only have one child. And there are weeks when Sean and I are just struggling to get him and our schedules and the podcasts out um, and all of that stuff. And then the other thing that I'd like to share with you that I think is something to check in with is parents are often looking for a sympathetic ear and some kind words as opposed to hard and fast solutions. I think that's a good thing to remember. Make it a point to reach out to parents when necessary and reinforce that you're available to support them and their children. Now, this is coming from a classroom teacher blog. This, I think, is essential in the private teaching studio. We have the one-on-one relationship. So, um, one gift of today's highly connected world is that you'll have multiple venues to reach out to your parent community. There you go. I think those are two really great check-ins when it comes to working with families and um, being both a two-way street, managing expectations and also managing yours. So if you're finding yourself getting frustrated with a lack of progress or parents that are so busy and it's hard to connect with them, keep in check that they're doing the best they can and that we are part of their team and we can support them. So managing expectations. I hope you found that interesting. Like I said, check the show notes. I've shared quite a few of the uh, great blogs that I came across. There's some wonderful information um, about working with families, about being a better leader, about communication skills. Now, warm up of the week. And now the warm up of the week. I have deceived you. I'm not giving you a warm-up of a week. You have plenty of warm-ups this week. What I'm going to ask is, can you sometime in your schedule this week, can you look at your communication? Can you reach out to a parent and to a student and give them some feedback, some support, a thumbs up? Can you give a parent a call that you haven't seen for a while and let them know that you're really enjoying working with their student, with their child? Can you take a moment in your lesson and share with your student uh, a compliment and inspire them in a way that keeps them motivated uh, into, into the spring? There's your warm-up of the week or your challenge of the week. As always, I am wishing you inspired teaching happy singing, a friendly reminder to leave a review on iTunes or visit our website and do the same. I hope to see you in Knox. Make sure to get advantage, take advantage of the uh, early bird pricing. Do I have anything else to remind you of? I don't think so. Have an inspired day of teaching. Made by Canoe Music. CanoeMusic.ca Communication. These very highly sought after skills help us avoid awkward conversation.
cat. What I am talking. <laughs> yes. Do you have a problem with my topic? You do. Hmm. Cat. <laughs>